0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Explanation. I'm your veterinary host, Dr. Sugarman. And today we're here with Ken. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks. So Ken is an LVT at our clinic, and he has so many letters after his name. <laughs> but I'll let him explain that in a bit. Uh, but he does all of our physical therapy here. So I'm really excited to get to talk to you about this because there's just so much in the world of physical therapy that people don't know about animals. True. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell me, first of all, like how, how do you become an LVT?
1: In my case I took classes in California oh see. many many years nice. ago yeah I did it that way mm-hmm. now I think there are internet programs and local mm-hmm. programs yeah also maybe coupled with an AA degree yeah absolutely then so tell me how you went from being
0: an LVT now to working with rehabilitation
1: after becoming an LVT I worked for some surgeons mm-hmm like our local places, Blue Pearl and Summit, that we did surgery all day long. And there were all these gimpy animals back in the day. And this is when the animal rehab was just starting. So I did it in 2006. Nice. We weren't even sure if it was a catch-on. So I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah. And I looked around the hospital and said, this is going to be a good thing. Yeah. And I started taking my classes And when I started, there were no internet classes. Yeah. So I had to go to each one of these different modules through the University of Tennessee. And then as I was going, I would try to do some of these TPLOs, post-operative passive range motion and icing on my off hours. One thing led to another. Nice. Was Tennessee the only place that did that at that time? At that time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, there's quite a bit, right? Yep. There's a few more. As a rule, they are open to veterinary technicians, veterinarians, and human PT. Oh, interesting. The human PT guy or gal gets more animal experience as they know a lot of the exercises and whatnot.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't even know that human ones could, human PTs could do that. Very cool. So what did you have to go through then to become certified in this?
1: A lot of different classes. Just more anatomy, more hands-on training with dogs. How are we going to get the dogs to do the exercises? Food is a good motivator. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It took me probably two years to get through all that. They left the time frame open because I knew it was difficult for people. Yeah. A lot of travel involved. And then you had to go to Tennessee to take your written test and a practical. So it's, it's quite a lot that you had to go through in order to get your mm-hmm. certification, mm-hmm. right? And they yeah. always want it done underneath the veterinary umbrella. So, no one's doing it in their garage.
0: Yeah. And so, how does it work? So, I saw you had so many letters after your
1: name, right? So, are those certificates or what, what yeah, are those? I'm a certified. So, technically, I'm a, let's see, CCRP, Certified Canine Rehabilitation Practitioner. Okay. That's the technical term. Nice. Mm-hmm. What about all those other letters? I'm also <laughs> a small animal massage. Nice. Um, okay. In the state of Washington, you have to be licensed to do that. Mm -hmm. Odd, but yeah. 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 So I had to go to a physical class for that Mm -hmm. and then get certified and then apply for a license. Okay. But that does work in with the rehabilitation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: I know even when you go to human rehabilitation, when humans have a problem, there's lots of massage, icing, heat, Mm -hmm. plus all the physical therapy things that you're doing. So it definitely makes sense for you to do massage with that as well.
1: Yeah. And then, so can you tell me what is physical therapy? We try to fix the defect or the deficiency in the dog or the cat. Yeah. Could be a, a pulled muscle or a broken leg that's been set and fixed, and now it needs to relearn to use the leg. Yeah. Yeah, the goal is to get them back to their normal function, or whatever that might be. Might be right. sitting on the couch, might be an uh, agility dog, yeah. some working dog. So what are some of the most common things that you see then for physical therapy? Arthritis is always high on the list. Young dogs, old dogs. Probably the number two is an ACL tear.
0: Yeah. So in dogs, we call it CCL tears. People, ACL tear. But basically when somebody's like, oh, I hurt my knee or I uh, hurt the ligament in my knee. That's essentially what they're talking about is like there's a ligament that tears in the knee. Mm -hmm.
1: Classic football player injury. Exactly. What about a lot of back dogs? Do you have a lot of back dogs that you I see. Do. Yeah, a lot of back pain. Often these dogs will have an MRI or a workup. They may not be a surgical candidate, and they maybe they're getting better on their own already. So try to take what we have and strengthen that back. Yeah, uh, do see a lot of dogs that have had surgery on the back. Just depends on how severe the injury was and how right motivated the dog is do you see a lot of them that have not had surgery
0: back dogs that you can help yes yeah great yeah Yeah, that's a big thing for us especially in er is we have a lot of back dogs that Mm -hmm. surgery is very expensive and so i constantly talk about coming to do rehabilitation yeah Yeah. first it's,
1: it's the rest get over that initial pain and then get them strong yeah practice using those feet
0: yeah fantastic And then with the therapy, is it like a lifelong therapy or is this just over a couple months that you're doing? Like with humans, we think about it as it's what your insurance
1: covers, right? (laughs) Right? So how does this work with our animals? As a rule, the goal is to get them fixed and back home. Yeah. Some of the more chronic dogs, maybe they need uh, a tune-up periodically. Okay. So I have some dogs that come in every couple of weeks, every three weeks, four weeks, and just to keep them at a certain level of fitness depends on how much mom and dad are going to do right at home yeah i can give them a long list of exercises to do but yeah you know, it's hard
0: yeah so it sounds very much like human medicine again where you're like you're doing physical therapy here but also giving the pet parents like something to do at home yes, Lots right? of
1: yeah yeah because they're only seeing me for 45 minutes once a week yeah. i'm not going to fix it but we can start and there are obviously things we can do here that we can't do at all
0: yeah and she so can kind of show me like combination
1: what? exactly
0: you can kind of know what, what things you do have here that what things do you usually work work with?
1: Oh, we do a lot. Like all the floor exercises, the massage, and of course the underwater treadmill. Yeah. It's a big one. That one's a very cool one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my dog did that and she loved it. There's <laughs> a lot of different yeah. things. Oh, we have a machine called the shockwave, therapeutic laser. So there's a lot of different modalities.
0: Yeah. Which is great. I know that I've seen some other physical therapy places that only have just the floor exercises. But I feel like that's just not enough for
1: them. Yeah. I understand a lot of people don't have the space. Yeah. It takes a lot of space. Exactly. And valuable space usually to the animal hospital. But but you need, it needs to be a combination of of all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Are there other physical
0: therapists in the area as well or is it pretty much just you?
1: No, they're not in the immediate area. Yeah. Down south towards Olympia, Seattle, and up north of Seattle. Yeah. So
0: pretty much you're the guy for Tacoma essentially. Yes.
1: Right,
0: And then can you tell me more about hydrotherapy? Like how does that help dogs to be in water?
1: Yeah. Now in my case, hydrotherapy is an underwater treadmill. Also, it can be considered swimming in an open pool or something. I'm sure for smaller dogs. I have a great dean, so she didn't... I don't know that she would fit for swimming, but... Yeah, there's a lot we can do. For the older dog, we can slowly raise the water and the water's 90 degrees, so it's nice and warm. Nice. So we can essentially have them walking on the moon with less gravity less stress on the joints yeah and if they're recovering from that ccl tear it's going to help them gradually use the leg and then we slowly lower the water it gets a lot harder okay over time we can yeah build up the strength and i have a few dogs that come in that aren't injured that are either a show dog or some kind of athlete mm. that just comes in for a workout yeah and if they do a couple miles and 13 inches of water. That's water. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like it. That's really cool. I didn't know you did dogs that weren't in necessarily for injuries. Yeah. It's nice because then you don't have to worry about right. Put them to work. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And then you said food is a really great motivator for them too, right? To be able to get them
1: to walk. Yes. Get them to walk. We can use peanut butter on the glass. Nice. uh, So they can walk and lick. And for our floor exercises to get them to do what we want. Yeah. Because they don't know, they don't right. know why they're here, what they're doing. Yeah, exactly.
0: I remember when my dog had done it; she just put her feet, pe- her back feet, on the side so she didn't have to walk. Yes.
1: But <laughs> everybody seen that in the back of the treadmill with one little foot <laughs> trying to walk. Exactly.
0: So how do you like? How do you adjust them then to get them to walk on it if they
1: do that? First, I always go in with them for their first experience. Yeah, I got my fishing waders on. Nice, and that helps maybe help them get centered. They usually bounce back after a while and they stand on the side and they come back to the bed. Yeah. They also want a leash and a harness. So you have a little control. Sometimes they want to stop. Are you walking backwards or are you putting your feet on the sides? I'm putting my feet on
0: the Yeah. <laughs> I was like, are you getting lots of like backwards walking exercise while you're doing this? Yeah. <laughs> my steps. Exactly. But backwards. Yeah. And then you also mentioned about
1: laser therapy. So can you tell me more about laser therapy? What do you use that for? Yeah, that you also hear it referred to as photo biomodulation these days, it covers a wider range of light and its wavelengths. We use it a lot for pain, inflammation, those back dogs that didn't have surgery. And it's just making different wavelengths of light that are soaking in to the dog's body at a cellular level. Nice.
0: Mm-hmm. So, really, for a lot of the inflammation purposes, I remember. You could also use it for lots of other things as well, right? There was like ear problems and mm-hmm. all sorts of things. It was really interesting to, to see like how much you could
1: use. Yeah, I think we're for. just scratching the surface of what we yeah. can use. The machine. Yeah, absolutely. And then what do you use Shockwave for? Shockwave is a machine that doesn't shock the dog, but it creates sound vibrations. And it is fairly loud. And it sends the sound vibrations through the animal's tissue, creating inflammation. And then the body thinks it's a new injury. It has all these wonderful healing properties that can help kick in. Nice. So bringing more blood flow, yep. more
0: inflammatory. Excellent for those cells, ligaments, and tendons that don't yeah. have a lot of blood flow. Yeah, those take forever to heal. Yes, like, you know, you can heal from a fracture faster than you can heal from a, a ligament tear. Anger. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And then what about the floor work? So what do you use most of your floor work for?
1: Maybe you get a dog that doesn't like the water, or we can use these balance discs or the Cavaletti rails that they have to step over. Okay. So that engages their core. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're just trying to get other muscles stronger. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think the dogs, typically they enjoy it. Yeah. So it's something they want to do. We can just teach it. And it's a trick almost. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Nice. And then, so what about, is physical therapy really expensive? I think it can be, but pet insurance covers Yes. So everybody should have pet insurance. Yeah, absolutely. I harp on that all the time. Definitely have pet insurance. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And again, the pet insurances only cover if it's done by a licensed or certified rehab person. Yeah. So pretty much all of them cover you doing it, essentially. Correct. Yeah. Yep. There are some other doggy swim pools in the area, and the insurance will not cover. Okay.
0: I know, too, one big thing I was talking about is they have to have had the insurance before any injury occurs, 30 days beforehand. So that's always something to keep in mind, right? You can't just get the insurance and then suddenly start going to physical therapy. With the physical therapy, then, like, how do you
1: normally do? Like paying for it. Do you have like
0: packages that you do or do you normally do just uh, we have one an in- per session? We
1: have initial intake. If it's a dog we've never seen before or, okay. or just meet it for the first time, that's always done in conjunction with veterinarian at the hospital. Yeah. Make sure it's healthy and safe and it can go through physical therapy. Okay. And then there are a priced individual sessions if somebody just wants to do one a month or they're not real serious about it. Yeah. I suggest most people buy a package of five or 10. They get a price discount, and we can just pick away at those as we go. Nice. And you said usually your session is about once a once a week, right? Once a week seems to work really well for owners and the pet. Yeah. And if they're doing great, we can spread those sessions out, go every two weeks or every three weeks, and yeah. the stronger they get, the more they can do.
0: Yeah. And then those exercises that you send home with them, do you have like handouts for them or is there some way you should show them
1: how to do it? I usually show them. I really like to have the owners present in the room because the animal likes that too. Yeah. So we can physically show them. There are some great YouTube videos out there on how to do some stuff. Nice. Yeah. I really do like that you have them in the room, to like see how they're progressing
0: and make the pet more comfortable as well. Ooh. Especially with the weird environment, like this weird sounds and oh, stuff. it's an right. animal
1: hospital. There's dogs barking. Yeah. Bark and- yeah.
0: Exactly, yeah. And your, your office is like in a really nice area in the back of the hospital, which is really nice. Of
1: We can sneak yeah. in the back
0: door. Yeah, exactly. avoid With a lobby full of barking dogs. Right, exactly. You don't have to walk through the, the crazy ER area. <laughs> <laughs> and then, do you think that surgery can be avoided with some of the things that you do, like with CCL tears or
1: with back problems? It just, it really depends. That's a tough one. Because there are some dogs that do well. Yeah, time will tell. Often they can also strain that ligament. Yeah, they don't have to have a full tear, and those dogs can do okay if it's if it's torn, it needs surgery. Surgery is the gold standard. Yeah, and for dogs that can't, they have a health condition for some reason they can't have surgery. There are custom knee braces available.
0: Yeah, I saw it. I think you have them around or something. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, they're really cool custom knee braces. Yeah. Yeah, but they.
1: They're probably halfway to the surgery. Yeah. It just depends. Yeah.
0: Do you? And if I remember correctly, I think you have them bring everything to you to have it fitted. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to have a cast of the leg. It may, the person making the race, but then fill that with their foam and they'd have a representation of the dog's leg. Okay. They make it custom for each one. And then there's a little bit of a fitting process. Yeah. Is that something that they wear as like a lifelong thing after that? They or can. That... Typically, we like them to wear it when they're going outside or go on their walks or the folks are working in the yard. Yeah. Maybe not around the house.
0: Yeah. I'm sure it's also irritating to wear it constantly. Yeah. Def-
1: we- yeah you have to have a wearing schedule where you start out just a few minutes a day, yeah, work up to an hour or two.
0: Yeah. Which is way different than humans, right? Like we think about somebody puts the brace on yep. you keep it on all day until you go to bed. Go to sleep, wake up, put a ramp right back on, right? Yeah. So I've had my random species treated by you. So I've had my dog treated by you. And I've had my duck treated by mm-hmm. you as well.
1: What other species have you done? Let's see. One rabbit, one pygmy goat. A pygmy goat, nice. A pygmy goat. It's great. Let's see what. I got to do uh a penguin. With <laughs> a therapeutic laser. That's awesome. At the zoo. Yeah. Yeah um they also had a bird called a hornbill Mm -hmm. that we get laser we get the occasional cat most of the cats don't do the water but often the cats can do the floor exercises Mm -hmm. it's that kind of cat how do you motivate the cat it has to be a food motivated cat
0: okay (laughs) like my duck was actually very food motivated because she loved lettuce and then have you done any of your guinea pigs i have lasered a guinea pig yep nice i think they'll yeah i'm sure they love they They just love attention in the first place yeah nice with the cats, what were most of the cats that you had to do?
1: Like, what were they for? The current cat that comes in on a weekly basis is 16 and very arthritic. Ah, yeah. Other cats, some type of neurologic issue that didn't have surgery. They're just trying to retrain them to walk. Yeah. I think there was a cat with a broken leg, but it didn't take long for it to, they figure out the, that the legs fixed, they started using
0: Oh, good. Mm-hmm. So they had it repaired and then of they're course. just coming they're out. Just repair. They're big. Nice. Okay. And then, so with my duck, my duck had a ligament problem in the knee. So what were some you said? The penguin had what now?
1: Uh, arthritis, arthritis along its spine. They probably lived twice as long as they should in Captivity? Repair, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And what about the pygmy goat? Pygmy goat was had an undiagnosed neurologic issue. It was found with uh, a zip tie around one of its back legs. Oh, that probably did some nerve damage. Yeah. So that was with the Puget Sandal Goat Rescue. Nice. I was going to say, that's a lot of money to put into a goat. Mm-hmm. So that's really mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. He did quite well.
0: Good. Yeah. Good. How long did he end up having to see you for?
1: He only saw me twice. And then uh, they fitted him with a little wheelchair. Oh, nice. He said he could still walk in. Yeah. To take some of the load off of that bad leg. And seems to be doing fine as far as I know. Do you do a lot of work with dogs in wheelchairs? Fair amount. It's good for those paralyzed dogs that aren't going to walk again. Totally gives them a whole new lease on life. Do you help them try to fit for
0: a wheelchair or recommend Yeah, and stuff?
1: Now it's really easy. You can get online. People typically can do it at home if they're comfortable with taking a few measurements. And then after they get the wheelchair, maybe bring it in. You can make sure it's set up correct.
0: Yeah. At what point do you feel like with those back dogs, they should go to a wheelchair rather than waiting?
1: Yeah. If they've had surgery or they continue to decline, we don't want to do the wheelchair too soon as the dog gets lazy and then right. depends on the wheelchair. Yeah. But after some amount of time, you just know that Fluffy's not walking or it's not going to get much better. and Yeah. Then it's time to be.
0: Yeah. A neurologist had once told me that it was also because you want to have more stability, like formed from the skeletal structures before doing that as well. Especially like broken back dogs, especially Mm -hmm. not putting them in a wheelchair right away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everything healed up. Right. Okay. And
1: how how can people find you at this point? Uh, I'm at Sumner Veterinary Hospital. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure I'm on the websites. They probably Google Animal Rehab in Western Washington. i will come up.
0: And they just call in,
1: talk to the receptionist about how to get an appointment Mm -hmm. with you.
0: Perfect. Was there anything else you wanted to mention?
1: I don't think so. I think we covered everything. I
0: think so. Real quick for the technician one. I know that some of the technicians were really interested in just like how to go about like becoming certified and also what you did to help learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. So you can talk to me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. The learning how to do it is, is a lot of the hands-on those classes where maybe we had 15 or 20 dogs in the class and they were healthy. So you could practice the exercises to get an idea of of how to do it. Yeah. How to manipulate the dog in such a way that he's going to stand on the wobble board. And, yeah. Yeah. And that, Also, I think it just takes time. Yeah. Do you do like mentoring or anything for them? I have. Some of the programs require the participant to do 30 or 40 hours Mm -hmm. at an established place. Yeah. So I've done that in the past for people.
0: Nice. Mm -hmm. Then with our hospitalized patients, I know we talked about this before in doctor's meeting and stuff like that. I mean, you come over to do a lot of those range of motion things. Like, what kind of things can can they be doing too, as well?
1: Yeah, as soon as the surgery's done, icing's always good if they have availability and the access to the laser. Yeah, that's easy and helps. Um, passive range of motion, doing some massage on that leg or broken limb. You know, just getting the blood flowing, gentle. Do you think that those should be done before you put the splint on, like before Dr. K
0: puts that bandage on? Or do you feel like it should be done after? Probably after day, the bandage comes
1: off. Maybe it's going to stay on for a day or yep. a day and a half. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then do icing at that point, range of motion, stuff. What about for a lot of those like geriatric
1: patients that are sitting in the hospital, right? not really moving around very much? Getting them up and getting them moving, even if it's just spending some time standing outside of the kennel. Yeah. Even yeah. If you have to help them stand, we have those big inflatable peanuts. That sometimes we just drape the dog over. Inflatable peanut? I don't know anything about this. Yeah, there's a couple here in the no. different sizes when they can just that's cool. support the dog. Yeah. And they get sternal, a lot of vestibular dogs or down for some reason. And yeah. just spend way too much time on their side. Yeah, their side
0: or just sitting on their chest and mm-hmm. not really moving around very much. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's Very depressing for them to sit in the kennel like that. Yeah. And then also they're just losing so much muscle by sitting there for days. Yeah. Yeah. I equate it to like geriatric patients, right? If your grandma's in the hospital, you want grandma to be up and moving around. Some of
1: those dogs maybe even in the underwater treadmill and maybe the belt doesn't even move. They're just floated. You put them in a life jacket. Yeah. Float them sternal. uh, Find some motivation for them to get moving. Get moving. Yeah. I know we had one in the hospital and I was
0: thinking about all that and I was like, I wish that he could have done that, but he can't come out of oxygen for very long. Yeah.
1: Barely yeah. powered. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm.
0: But still, like a lot of the DKA patients and
1: stuff are mm-hmm. just not moving around. I think that'd be really fantastic to do that. With them. I think we're finding even a lot of cancer patients, a good exercise routine. doesn't have to be intense, Yeah, but keeping them moving is going to help. That's Something really true. It helps their motivation.
0: We have, I'm going to be talking to Dr. Rizzo in a couple of weeks, so hopefully we'll talk about that as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Anything else you want to add then? To that? No, I'm great. Okay. Well, cool. thank you so much, Ken. I really appreciate you yeah. coming on. Um, hopefully, maybe we'll talk about it on another topic soon. <laughs> I know that there's so many questions that
1: people have about just physical therapy stuff in general. As they follow in the questions, you can direct them to me or yep. I can help you answer
0: That's Sounds good. All right. All right. Thanks, Ken. Thank you. <laughs> Hey guys, if you want to see Ken's setup, by the way, and all the cute animals that he's worked on, including my duck, you're welcome to check out this episode on YouTube. We're going to have some of those pictures on there, if you aren't already on YouTube. So we're going to talk about our animal fact for today. So today I decided to talk about penguins in honor of Ken's physical therapy that he did on a penguin, which I think is really cool. Penguins are also just really cool as well. I'm sure people know the general facts about them, that they're flightless birds, they're usually black and white, except for there are some species that are not black and white. And that they're really great swimmers, right? They're built for swimming. But did you know about with the black and white, like why they're black and white and how that helps them? So they're black on their back and they're white on their stomach, and that actually helps to camouflage them. So if you think about if you're looking down from the sky into the water, it's really black, right? And so if the penguin is swimming, you're going to look at its black back. So it's camouflaged into the bottom of the ocean. What if you're a shark? You're a shark looking up, you go through the water, up to the sky. The sky appears whitish, bluish, mostly whitish. And if you're looking up, you'd be looking up at the penguin's stomach, which means you'd be looking at a camouflaged penguin through the sky. So they actually have a good reason for being black and white, which I think is really cool. Also, like when they're in the water, they need to stay really warm and waterproof, right? They are able to do this because they have this oily gland that they use to preen themselves. It's on their back by their tail, but they'll preen themselves or like basically clean themselves or cover themselves with oil that makes their feathers really waterproof and windproof at the same time. Now, let's talk about their eating habits. So they eat really salty fish. They take up tons of water when they're swimming. And so what do they do with all this extra saltiness or sodium that's in their blood vessels, right? So they have all this really saltiness to their blood vessels, and they need to get rid of that somehow. So I have this really special gland called a supraorbital gland that filters out the salt in their bloodstream, and then they're able to pump it out of their nostrils. So supra refers to above, and orbital refers to the eye socket. So it lives just like right around the eye sockets, like right above the eye. It just filters out that salt so that all that salt leaves the body through their nostrils. And that makes them look like they actually have a runny nose all the time. So it makes them look like they have a cold constantly. So they have a runny nose, they're sniffling. And then you'll also see them shake their head a lot because they're trying to get rid of all that excess salty brine. Is your kid a rock collector like mine are? So are penguins. Some male penguin species give female penguins a rock as a gift in order to woo them. And then the female puts those rocks in the nest that she makes. Also, I might mess up the, this name, but the Adelie penguin, I believe it's called, they want a very particular type of rock. So these it, it's these little tiny pebbles that are left behind, these melting glaciers. And these penguins will walk long distances with these pebbles in their mouth just to add them to their collection of rocks. Speaking of long distances... The emperor penguin, which is the largest penguin of our present time, but there's actually a larger penguin real quick. The largest penguin had been a prehistoric penguin and called a colossus penguin. Anyways, the emperor penguins, they do this annual file march to their breeding grounds every year where they walk more than 70 miles in freezing weather. Back to their breeding grounds where they're originally born. They have to be able to get back there. There's no map or anything, right? They have to figure out how to get back there walking 70 miles. So for people who have seen the movie Happy Feet, you probably know a little bit about this and know that once they get back to their breeding grounds, they have this really unique song that they sing to help find their perfect mate. And then they'll usually mate for life at that point. Also, speaking of movies, have you noticed that most movies put penguins together with polar bears? That would actually never happen in real life because penguins live in the southern hemisphere, while polar bears are found in the North Pole. So maybe you'll see them with Santa Claus, but not with penguins. In fact, the most northern penguin is actually the Galapagos penguin, which is found below the equator. Plus, we think of penguins living in these really snowy, icy places, right? Like when you think of a penguin, you immediately think of snow and ice. But there's actually only seven species of penguins that live in these wintry places like Antarctica. The rest of them live in tropical locations like South Africa, South America, Australia, and New Zealand. And lastly, this is for all the kids who think that poop is just so funny. So, mostly I'm talking about my daughter. But anyways, penguin poop is actually pink because of all the krill that they eat. Which is also what makes the flamingo pink, but the flamingo's poop is actually not pink. Sorry. Alright, with that, I hope that you learned something new about these really cool flightless birds. And then if you have any questions for me, as always, you know you can email me at SHUGs S U G G S at vetsplanationpodcast.com, Or you can find me on social media. I tend to be on Facebook the most, but I'm pretty much on all of them. Plus, we would really appreciate it if you would share this podcast with somebody you know. Hit subscribe wherever you're listening and leave us a review. We want to keep our podcast going and we really need help to do so. Thank you again for listening, and please remember
1: always to keep your pets happy, healthy, and loved. Thanks, everybody.